Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. We've been going through a series on Bible heroes, and some of them don't seem like they're really heroes. Some of them seem like they're pretty, pretty scandalous type of folks. But in reality, they are heroes because God's grace, just the same grace that he applies to your life and mine, is the grace that he applied to these people. And and they, they overcome what has happened in their life, what they have done in their life, and, and how, how messed up our lives can be. You begin to see that everybody in the Bible is not this perfect person that, that deserves to get there, but instead is a lot like you and me, folks that are far from perfect. By the way, I want to share with you, this is the perfect church. This is. It's the perfect church for imperfect people like me. Because God can take you and me and begin to work in our lives to do things that that we never believed He could and that we don't feel like we are equipped or, better yet, we don't feel like we, we should be able to go ahead and do these things because of our past. We're going to be talking this morning about a fellow by the name of Joseph. Now, when I, when I shared with staff that we were preaching on Joseph this morning, Joe Lane immediately said, you know, that's my favorite name in the Bible, all right? Yeah, Joe, thanks for that, bud. Joseph was a guy that, that had a mom and dad, Jacob and Rachel, and he was, of all of those children of his dad, uh, his favorite. Joseph, this guy that was his father's favorite dreamer, who becomes the, the forgiver of all of the family members. He had a full life. He had a series of prophetic dreams in his life, and it aggravated his brothers because of that. His only other full brother, who was Benjamin, often was his companion as he was growing up. He was the guy that that is closest linked, not just because of a bloodline, but because of companionship. And he later on plays an important part in the story of Joseph and what happens to him. Just like all of the other people that we have talked about so far, his family was not entirely perfect. Now some of you that grew up again in a family where there was a mom and a dad there and they both loved each other and everything was pretty well organized and and set out and you knew what the expectations were and everybody was okay with everybody. If you grew up in a family like that, Give thanks for it, because a lot of us didn't. And just like the Bible stories of the previous heroes we've talked about, Joseph is a fella that grew up in a family where jealousy and envy were paramount. They were there all the time. And because of that, there becomes this jealousy between his other half-brothers and Joseph. And they begin to go ahead and plot because of one dream that Joseph had. A dream where he said, you know, one day there's going to be a head of all of you. And he was talking about all of his brothers. And he said, and this is that dream. And as he shared with, it, with, with his brothers about that, they came to realize Joseph was not arrogantly talking about himself, but he was reve- revealing really what God's 
eternal purpose was. And his brothers resented it. We're going to be reading a good bit of Scripture this morning, and it's going to mean that we're going to have to read it and read it rather quickly, but also read it with an ear to hear what God is saying. We open God's Word. The reason we stand on Sunday morning is to honor the reading of God's Word. God's Word is, list, please hear this, God's Word is not infallible or inerrant. Okay, Those are human words that are applied to the Bible. The Bible has one word that it says it talks about what God's Word is. It's inspired. That means that God breathed Himself into this document. And if you have a problem with some of the the parts of it that you say, well, maybe that wasn't this or this, then your problem isn't with a book. It is with God Himself. And if you believe that God could go ahead and promote error, and I don't believe that. I believe that everything from Genesis to maps is exactly true. And God has a purpose in that to reveal to you and me who He is, who His Son Jesus is, and His eternal plan for you and me. God's Word is inspired, and we stand to honor the inspiration of God's Word that the Holy Spirit right now will put into your heart and mind and make it alive and real. Let me invite you to stand together. We're going to read God's Word. It is a long patch this morning, and so uh, I hope you brought your lunch. Let's read together. When they saw Him from a distance... And before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Now then, come and let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say, A wild beast devoured him. Then let us see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands and said, Let us not take his life. Reuben further said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay hands on him, that he might rescue him out of their hands to restore him to his father. So it came about, when Joseph reached his brothers, that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the very colored tunic that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty, without any water in it. And then they sat down to eat a meal. And as they raised their eyes and looked, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead with their camels bearing aromic gum and balm and myrrh on their way to bring them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, And not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. And then some Midianite traders passed by. So they pulled up and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph into Egypt. This is a passage in, in Genesis 45, the end of the story. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried, Have everyone go out from me. 
And so there was no man with him when Joseph made himself known to his brothers. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it, and the household of Pharaoh heard it. Then Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him, for they were dismayed at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Please come closer to me. And they came closer. And he said, I'm your brother Joseph, whom you sold into Egypt. Now do not grieve or be angry with yourselves, because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are still five years in which there will neither be plowing nor harvesting. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant in the earth and to keep you alive by a great deliverance. Thank you. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. Let me ask you a question. Do you know this guy? Do you know him? He is he is he was named the balladeer for the state of Texas. It's Willie Nelson. Now, you want to know something really kind of fun about Willie Nelson? Willie Nelson goes to a Baptist church in Austin, Texas. He goes to a Baptist church there. And he is a participant there. He has not joined yet. But he participates. He helps them with fundraisers, things like that. But the reason Willie is here this morning is not for us to, to, to think of blue eyes crying in the rain or something like that, but instead to, to realize he wrote a song that says, You Always Hurt the Ones You Love. And it's a great song. It's a song worth listening to. Pull it up when you get home today. I'm going to go ahead and make a statement. I want you to fill in the blank here. It'll go along with the image of Willie. You see, the people closest to you will hurt you the most. The people who are closest to you will hurt you the most. Why is that? What makes the betrayal of Joseph so onerous to us when we read it? There's nothing fair about it. Joseph didn't flaunt his father's favor in front of his brothers, but he lands in the cistern just escaping death, and his half-brothers continue the charade by then later on faking his death to their father. It's because those that know you the best and know where you hurt the most are the ones that can hurt you the most. And they choose to. Family and close friends know all the hidden areas of our lives, the parts of us that we try to keep from public scrutiny. And when we choose and then they choose to use that as a way of getting to us. It is both a breach of trust and a betrayal that hurts to the core. And Joseph must have felt this as he lay in the dust of that well that day. I'm going to share something with you about arguing. And I want you to kind of take this, and we've talked about it. Matter of fact, we talked about it seven years ago, that when we have, in the classical sense, an argument with another person, and I don't mean a fussing kind of thing, I mean a classical sense of argument, 
two people with differing opinions on a common issue and they approach it and look at it from different points and then the argument ensues as you try to go ahead and convince that person that your logic and your point is more valid than theirs. That's the classical sense of the word argument. Not a yelling and screaming fit. Folks, I want to share with you that winning the argument gains you no prize. It gains you no prize. This can happen when you and I get into an argument or disagreement with someone we're close to. We turn personal when we have failed to win the argument either by logic or by facts. I want you to do something. Stacy and I did this many years ago. We, had a, we were at a minister's retreat center. It was kind of like the Betty Ford Clinic for ministers, okay? Where you go there and you find out whether or not this is what you thought it was going to be like to be in ministry for all these years. Now, it wasn't because all of a sudden we had some issue that was going on in, in our ministry or marriage or anything like that. It was, it was a place called Sunscape up in Colorado where it was a retreat center and it allowed us just some time to reflect. There was a couple there, a fellow that played offensive tackle for TCU. He ended up being drafted later on and went and played for the Miami Dolphins. Those of y'all that know, know anything about that, the Dolphins had an undefeated season. And he was the right tackle of that team. And he and his wife began to share with us some truth about how to argue constructively. One of the things he said was this. He said, I want you to try something. He said, the next time you get into a fuss, don't use the word you. Don't use the word you. Try it sometime. Now, look, don't leave from church. Well, the pastor told us we had to get in an argument, so let's get going. The next time you go ahead and have a fuss with your sweetie, you are not allowed to use the word you. Y-O-U, that one. Not the sheep, female sheep, you. And when you go ahead and do this, I want you to go and get that, get that argument focused not on a personal attack, such as saying, well, you always do that. And then what happens when you do that? The person becomes offended. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No, I don't. Yes, you do. No use. Here's Joseph, and he has every reason to be angry and bitter at brothers that ambush him. And as he's walking up to do what his dad has said to do, to go meet them, they take him and they take this coat that his father had given him, this coat of many colors. It was a signature of all that they hated about, about Joseph. And they tore it off of him. And they threw it aside, and then they grabbed him, and they stripped him, and they threw him into a cistern. And he laid there bruised and confused. And you know that somewhere in there, he wanted to say to them, why are you doing this to me? The Bible doesn't record that. But winning an argument, either through violence or personal attack, gains you no prize. Whatever the issue is that you might have with a close friend or a family member, deal with that solely rather than attacking that person personally. 
Why? Because jealousy and revenge are poor substitutes for family. Jealousy and revenge are sisters. They travel in the same family, and Satan wants to use these sins to bind you and you and me to that type of lifestyle, one where you and I are concerned about getting back at someone who has injured you. Joseph doesn't do this. He continues to live a life that is upright and scrupulously moral. Even when he is put in another no-win situation, like the one with Potiphar's wife. And if you read the story of Joseph, I'll tell you what you could do. Kick back to, to Genesis 27. And if you want to have a fun afternoon, read about what happens in this guy's life. He ends up being put in prison. Not once, not in a cistern once, but twice. Twice more. And he's put in one time because there are folks that see as a dreamer, he becomes a threat to them. And they want to get rid of him. And while he's in there, he meets a guy that has, that has been in the court of Pharaoh and has had some issues. And he shares with, they begin to share their problems with each other. Nowhere in that does Joseph come back and say, my no good brothers sold me out, and that's the reason I'm here. Instead, he begins to deal with the present. Folks, we, sit, we spend so much time, listen to me, we spend so much time trying to go ahead and deal with our past. Let me share with you a wonderful, wonderful truth of God's Word. God has already taken care of your past. Your past can be forgiven. Your past can be forgotten by God. He does not look to see and count up all of the wrong that you have done and somehow say, you know what, I've got this big load of, of vengeance upon you that I'm about to deliver on you. Instead, what he does is he looks at you and me and he sees you and me through the eyes of Jesus, his son, who hung on a cross just like Jay shared, hung on a cross to pay for your sin and mine. And when he did that, folks, you have forgiveness. You can begin to live your life from this moment forward instead of the past. God has got your past, folks. If you give it to Him, He will take it and He will make it something that will put you in a place to be able to do His work. Listen to me. Now and forward. What happens then with Joseph? Joseph realizes that jealousy and revenge are an anchor and instead, he chooses to become a man of integrity. You see, integrity counts. And so does a life that can move on. Make sure, make sure that your past does not try to rule you so you won't count for God today and tomorrow. Joseph refused to allow that to happen. And instead, something else began to happen in his life. The real truth that we want to know about Joseph is how do you overcome betrayal then by a family or by a friend? I'm going to share with you that there is in fact no magic formula. But instead there's a path that the Bible talks about and Jesus confirms in His words. It is centered around the one thing that you will not want to do 
when you're confronted by that person who has hurt you, and that is to forgive. You see, Joseph continues to live in the presence without letting the past rule his future. Did he remember what they did? Absolutely. Certainly he remembered it. Did it bother him? If you don't think it bothered Joseph, then you need to read that chapter that we close with here, chapter 45, a little closer. Because you find out that he begins, he recognizes who they are in their first visit, and when they come back for the second visit, he is so emotionally overcome because he realizes this is his family. And he has the choice between getting revenge on them, people who have injured injured him in the most heinous of ways, or going ahead and forgiving. And he chooses forgiveness. He continued to live in the presence without letting that past rule his future. Joseph chose to deal with the immediate situation that was in front of him, whether he was in a, in a jail with another man, or rather, rather than settle for trying to settle scores that were in his past. Don't miss life while you're waiting to get back at some enemy in your past. That's the story of Joseph. Don't waste the rest of your life while you're waiting to get back at that person. Instead, do what Philippians 3.14 says. Press on. Press on to the high mark of the calling that you and I have in Christ. Paul writes these words to tell that little church in Philippi in his letter to move past the past and to focus on the here and the now with your eye towards the future that God has for you. That high mark that Paul says we should shoot for, we can find that in the verse in the life of Christ. You can't be like Christ without knowing Christ. Imitating Him will only last so long until the energy that you have will run out. What you and I need is a complete, total makeover, inside and out, where Jesus works in, these, in the closets of your life where, those, where that junk has been stored for years and years and years. Next Sunday, I'm going to bring, as part of my time uh, for Lent, Lent is, is, is that time, Lent is the time preceding Easter, and, and it, is, it is a tradition within Christ, Christian groups that Lent becomes a time where you, you let go of some things that have kind of ruled you. Now, I have some fishing poles, okay? I have two. They are, very, they, are, they are really two fishing poles that I counted up the number of fish I've caught on them, and the best I can remember is three. Two poles, three fish. I'm, I'm ashamed to say that I've had these poles longer than Caitlin has been alive, almost longer than I have been married. Three fish. If you want to go ahead and have fun with your pastor, take me fishing. You'll have a great time. I'll catch nothing. Right, Roger? I will catch nothing. You will catch wonderful fish. So I'm going to be giving these away. One of them I'm giving, giving away to a guy named Eric, and the other I'm giving away to Samuel Robinson. So you come to church next Sunday, you get this. It's a great catfish rod. You'll love it, okay? 
Here, <laughs> it's virtually unused. Here's the reason, folks. Pressing on also means that what happened in the past and these rods that are perfectly fine that caught no fish, I don't keep them there as a reminder of what hasn't happened. Guys, we do that so often in our lives when we hold on to things that have happened way, way, years and decades ago. Because there's a comfort in going ahead and holding on to something that at least lets us feel anger or bitterness when we've, we've gotten to the place where we oftentimes don't feel anything at all. And God wants us to feel His abundant love for us. He wants us to go ahead and be showered with an abundant life. Not the one where we just simply exist. Get rid of the past, folks. Even the fishing rods. Get rid of the stuff this time so that God can clear your deck so you'll be able to hear Him. Joseph did this very thing somewhere in his life from the time he was thrown into that pit till the time that he is the vizier of Egypt, the guy that is second in command under Pharaoh of all of Egypt. And he is there. He can give both life and death to anyone who comes. And Joseph's brothers come in and they are starving They've come to buy supplies because only Egypt has grain. Because Joseph had given a dream to Pharaoh and said, there's going to be a great famine. Prepare now for that. Prepare now for what is to come. And Pharaoh puts him in command of that very thing. The entire nation. His brothers come in and say, we just like to buy some grain. We'd like to buy something so we can eat so our family over in, over in Canaan will not perish. Can we do that? Joseph recognizes who they are. They don't know who he is. And his heart goes out to them. You know what happens when you allow forgiveness to happen in your life? You see a person that has hurt you, not the thing that they did. And once you're able to see a person as a person, you can go ahead and deal with that person the way God does. Lovingly hope that they will become God's child. What happens with Joseph then? He goes ahead and is, chooses to press on past his own personal pain. And then he ends up doing something else. He, said he, he allows God to put it and himself in the proper perspective. If you and I want to go ahead and get past our own personal hurt that someone else has inflicted on us, then let God put that thing, that it, and you in the proper perspective. Joseph realized that his father and his father's family would have starved if he were not in the position to hand out food. For all the bad that those brothers had caused, God instead used it for good. You all well know Romans 8.28. It talks about the fact that God will take something, anything in your life, in the life of a believer, and He will go ahead and make it work for good. It may not seem to be good at the time, but He will make it work. Was there anything good about Joseph being sold and betrayed? No. 
It's a terrible thing. Was there anything good about Joseph? And we didn't go over this part, but since all the kids are out of here, I'll say, is there anything good about Joseph being propositioned by Potiphar's wife? And then when he refuses her, he runs away. By the way, when he runs away, look at it carefully. It says he runs away, he's buck naked. All right, as he's running away, it looks like he's guilty. I mean, it looks like he's guilty. Looks like he was trying to go ahead and get after her. And he's put in jail. And he loses position. And yet God had a plan. Folks, God has a plan for you this morning. And He wants to put that plan and whatever has happened in the past in the right perspective so that He can use you in the future that He has for you. Finally, I want you to understand one thing. It will help you as you're trying to struggle with whether you should forgive a person or a family member that has injured you. Please hear this. It goes along with being able to see that that individual as a person and as a child of God as opposed to the person that injured you. It is this. God never blinks. God never blinks. Have you ever felt like if your friends or your family members could know what has gone on in a situation that was quieted to maybe you and another person, and you want to go ahead and run out and say, this person did this to me! You ever wanted to do that? Boy, that felt good. Man, I've been waiting a while to get that out. And you want to go out and say, you have to understand, this this no good person over here, it sounds like, by the way, it sounds like the brother, if you remember the story about Jesus talking about the two brothers, one of them goes and says, give me, Dad, give me everything that's mine, you know, give it to me now. And he runs off with it. And the other brother stays faithful, does everything he's supposed to do. It's very organized, very German, you know, I'm going to sequential. And then when he sees his brother come back, he goes, did you... Dad, do you even remember this this no good son of yours? doesn't say my brother. He says, this no good son of yours, he's sorry and he did this and this and this just in case you're getting old and you're forgetting. This, 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 this. He goes all the way down. Guys, let me share with you. God never blinks. He sees all. He knows all. He remembers everything. He is in fact trying right now to reach that wrongdoer that injured you with the same grace that he reaches into your life with just as he has reached you. One last thing I want to share with you. How do you go ahead and know to forgive a betrayal by family or friends? One more thing. It is this. Whatever you do in response to that person Give better than you got from them. Give better than you got from them. This is so very difficult, and yet it is so critically necessary. You likely will run sometime into that person who wronged you at one point or another in your life. Don't wait for them to apologize or even expect it. It was interesting that when Joseph has to deal with his brothers, 
He even brings this up. He gets ahead of that very thought because they're standing there and he says, I'm Joseph. And you know what they did when, when he says, I'm Joseph, your brother. And they just kind of stood there. And they realized the vulnerable position they were in, that they could be killed in a moment's notice. And he had every right to do that. Joseph instead says to them, I'm your brother Joseph. And oh, by the way, if you don't believe that, you sold me into slavery. Remember that? That's the proof. Nobody knew it but, but them. And then he says these words, But God used that to bring us here today so that I'm able to save your lives and our father's life and our father's family life. And oh, by the way, it's going to echo generation to generation to generation till it gets to Jesus who is going to go ahead and be the Messiah that will forgive everything. I forgive you. Joseph gave them better than he got. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, there's a story of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. And he uses a, by the way, the Sermon on the Mount, we think that the Sermon on the Mount probably lasted about two hours. Kind of like this one. Lasted probably two hours, and, and only, the only thing we have in the Scriptures are probably the highlights of what happened. But there's one in verse 41. Matthew 5.41, where it talks about if a man asks you to go a mile, go two miles over and above. A Roman could impress or constrain any non-Jew in the country they occupied to carry his backpack, his burden, his supplies one mile. There, there were stadia miles that were staked out so on the Roman roads so that you would know how long that would be. A Jew would pick that. They, the Jews hated the Romans. They were not racially the same as them. They certainly did not believe in the same God that the Jews said they believed in. So they would pick up this, and the minute they would get to that one place, they would shed that pack right by there and walk away. And Jesus says, instead of doing that for someone that has injured you and caused you some type of discomfort, pain, take it another mile. And it's interesting, he doesn't say, go ahead and carry it the entire distance. What he does is he puts a limit on, on that, but he says, here's, here's what you should do. It should not be just the distance that you cover, but the reason you cover it. You are doing it not to please a man, but to please me. Folks, listen to me. Every one of us in this room has had someone that has injured us in a deadly injury. We carry around the scars, sometimes physical, most of them hidden away in our spirit and our soul and our body that we never want to visit that again. And yet there's a burning desire to even the score. Don't give in to that. Instead, let God take you right now. Take care of your past and put you in a place where you'll be able to do what Joseph did and say, 
all of those things that happened back there happened so that I'm where I am right now able to do what God wants me to do. Folks, that's why he has you here on earth this day. Your life could have been snuffed out hours, weeks, years ago. You're here so that you will do that. Let's go to him now. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the story of Joseph. Thank you for his amazing ability to forgive and to see you working in his life even in the midst of a horrific time. I pray, Father, that you will bless this time that we come to you. This is a time, Father, that if we have any decision to make, if there is something you want us to do, to confess Christ for the very first time, to join a church, this is that time. Holy Spirit, I pray you will work and move in folks' lives and draw men and women not to a church and not to a pastor, but to you. And this will be for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Stand together, church. God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made. During this time that we sing this song, you come as He leads, and He and He alone will aid your very steps.